Hi, this is Steven Strauss, known as the Checkered Shirt Shirt Guy. When I'm not traveling the world or writing all night, I'm listening to Set Lusting Bruce. Pick up my money, head back into town. Driving across the Waynesburg County line, I got the radio on, but I'm just killing time. Working all day in my daddy's garage. Driving all night, chasing some mirage. Pretty soon, darling, I'm gonna take charge. Take this moment into my hands. Mister, I ain't a boy, no, I'm a man. And I believe in the promise of land. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. And joining me today is, I think, third-time guest, Peter from Blogness on the Edge of Town. How you doing, Peter? All right, Jesse. How are you? I am doing well. I am, um, we just were, I was explaining that uh, I had spent a little bit of time in the hospital, so I totally missed this latest um, round of uh, reader and blogging, you know, um, poll you just uh, posted so um, so I figured hey I'm going to use my clout as a, a friend of the uh, blog and get you on so we can talk about this uh, to make up for the fact that I didn't get to put my five favorite songs on the list right this will be your chance yes absolutely um, so um, been fairly quiet in Springsteen land hasn't it it has. Well, that was sort of the motivation behind putting this this poll together. This happens every time, you know, he ends a tour. Um, you know, we have that period where he puts out an album and there's all that news prior to it. And then it comes out and then there's the reviews and then there's the tour and we can't keep up with it. There's so much to, you know, to talk about and to, to write about. And then nothing, you know, it ends and he, uh, you know, he goes on vacation somewhere and, uh, we're all sort of sitting around, you know, waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah. So we're always looking for something to fill the fill that time and sort of engage fans and that type of thing. And I thought, well, we've had some success with with polls in the past. What, what if we if we went there? And this time I went. I think I made a bit off a little more than I could <laughs> chew. Actually, it was wound up being a little overwhelming. We've done sort of more uh, smaller scale polls in the in the past. We did. Uh, a few years ago, we did his uh, ask for his best songs of the 2000s. And of course, there haven't been that many, so it's a nice, nice manageable number. Uh, but this time, we decided, you know, let's let's go all out. We want to find the the quintessential Springsteen song, you know, the 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 best, most even better than than best or favorite, you know, the song that says Springsteen to you. And we left it open ended. I put a form in there. You know, not if it's not wasn't multiple choice. It wasn't you know people you know don't choose from these ten. It was like put 
pick five and put whatever you want in there. And we were sort of overwhelmed with the response. Yeah, you know, and I want to get that into specific, but um, I, I wanted to go back just a little bit. Um, to me, this feels a quieter time because we spent such a a year and a half of such always something else coming up, right? Like we got the ties that bind and, you know, we're going to do a box set and oh my God, now we're going to do a little tour and now we're going to do a bigger tour and now we're going to go to Europe and oh my goodness, now he's put out his autobiography and oh goodness, right. there's bookstores. And it seems like for a year and a half, there was something new almost weekly for Springsteen. Well, exactly, and even more so, you're right, than, than in previous sort of um, breaks, we had this very intense period of activity, and because he never announces anything, right. you know, more than a few weeks in advance, it seems, you have these artists who, um, you know, it seems like they have their, their whole career planned out years in advance, and you know the album's coming out in six months, the tour starts in nine months, you know, we're gonna do, we're gonna be on this show and do this thing. And with Springsteen, it's like it seems you know, okay, album in two weeks. What? Um, and John Landau's manager, you know, has been quoted in things saying, you know, this is just how we do things. We're not very organized, you know. And I think a lot of that is Bruce just deciding now's the time. You know, we're gonna do this right now. Um, he doesn't want to once he makes that decision, he doesn't want to sit around and wait. So we, as the fans, are sort of being constantly fed these surprises. And then you're right, this time, you know, it, it was a, a year and a half and then nothing. Yeah, and, you know, I, in a lot of ways, that's like his, um, you know, the set list. And, and we used to joke about, you know, they made the joke that, you know, you play the first song and then the set list goes out the window. And that's not necessarily the truth, especially when he's promoting an album. You know, they're, the first three or four songs may be the same, though mixed up a little bit. But, you know, especially in this past tour, he really did shake up things fairly often. And um, so I guess the way he builds a set list is the way he builds a career. At this point, um, he's Janice from accounting. He just doesn't give an F. And he's just like, oh, I feel it. I'm going to do it. Right. And he's he's earned that. <laughs> He yes, I earned that freedom over you know many decades of uh, you know uh, earning political capital or whatever you want to call it. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. Uh, yeah, and I I think many times have said you know when we talk about songs and wanting to hear things live, you know the majority of us will say, hey, I don't care what he plays as long as he's playing, and which leads to you kind of you you're going to do this poll and so. You're, were you asking for not necessarily, and I'm going to have you repeat yourself, not necessarily your five favorite songs, not necessarily the five songs you think are best, but just what were the rules you kind of guidelines you gave to right. your readers? Right. Well, the, the headline of the first post that had the, the poll, actual poll in it, was um, it was called "What's the Springsteeniest Springsteen song that's ever been Springsteen?" So basically, we're just asking, um, you know, what is the quintessential Bruce song, the one that um, really stands out as emblematic of his of his best work. So 
because to, to ask people to pick just one would really uh, just would be torturous. So we, we opened it up to five. We figured get, once you get beyond five, we're, we're really getting into the weeds. So everybody had the opportunity to pick their five songs that fit that criteria. Um, and then we would we would take it from there. And we said there weren't too many guidelines other than to say, you know, original versions. You know, don't you know we're not going to you know to, um, include Racing in the Street '78 or one of these um, you know outtakes or, or uh, alternate versions that have come out since. Um, we said, um, but outtakes you know that are um, of songs that weren't on already on an album, but they were on tracks. For instance, those were fine. Um, although not many of them rose to the top at, in the end. Um, and we said, avoid covers unless it's one of his signature covers. Like, okay, if you want to put Jersey Girl on there, that's fine, but not something he did once in right. Buffalo eight years ago, you know. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, we said, just, you know, go to town. These are, you know, look at his catalog. We provided a list of every song he's done. Um, and um, we asked people to just, you know, pick the ones they, they thought, you know, fit the bill and, and, and report back with the five. And like I said, we did a form so people could just type in. So that's the other interesting thing. When you, when you have a form you're, um, and people are doing it out of memory, it's interesting what some people remember. Um, you know, the song Jungle Town got a vote. <laughs> that was my favorite. Um, and uh, there were a couple, a couple others that were not, not quite there. And also then there, there were the songs um, that Bruce didn't even do. A couple of John Mellencamp songs got, got votes. Um, uh, Summer 69, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think, got a vote. So, um, yeah, so it was really interesting, uh, really interesting responses there. Yeah, and uh, so I will – yeah, there's some things like – um, Jungle Town, you you thought maybe autocorrect, you know, kind of worked on it, but uh, Summer of '69, it's hard to believe that's a um, that you know Microsoft blaming Microsoft on it. Um, you know, you shared your um, kind of some numbers, and it looks like you had um, over 5,000 responses. Now, right. 5,000 total votes, so. If you divide it by five, that's over, you know, 1,100 people voting, uh, though I'm right. sure was, not everyone voted five songs, right? Right. Well, it was actually um, the, the number of respondents was 1,245. Wow. Um, but you're right. Some people did all five. Some people did just one. And then everyone in between. So the the total number of votes at the end were five thousand six hundred and nineteen, and that's what I was talking about about being a little overwhelmed. Um, thank God for Google. Yes. <laughs> you know, the, the, the form just you know shoves it right to that spreadsheet, and then you're able to figure it out from there. Um, but it was um, yeah. So we're we're talking about almost six thousand votes, and what was interesting, um, even though. Springsteen has this huge catalog of, of songs to choose from, and so many people have so many different favorites. Um, 3,297 of the almost 6,000 votes um, were for the top 10 finishers in the poll. So those top 10 got the vast majority of the votes, more, you know, well, well more than, than half. Um, and then um, the other, you know, 2,000 plus votes after that went to 179 other songs. So there was a pretty clear um, consensus, I think, among the 1,200 people who responded to this about which songs really rose to the top. Yeah, and, you know, I 
you know, I have if I, I've often joked that, um, you know, Land of Hope and Dreams, Better Days are my two favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. And the third song changes every day. Um, right. And and if I had to go down five. You know, I, I would include, of course, Thunder Road and Born to Run and, and American Land, and then you start keep going on and on and on. But I think what's more interesting is your question of what is the most Springsteenish Springsteen song. So that right. maybe it's not a song that you actually, you know, love or a song that has a great personal meaning to you, but um, – you know, it is just a very classic, um, you know, if there was, um, you know, like a Johnny Cash song, Folsom Prison Blues, right. you know, that's that's a classic Johnny Cash song. Whether you like the song or not, that just says everything about it. Um, so I thought that was a very interesting choice and a cool way to think of this because we all have songs that we're passionate about and that mean a lot to us, but to kind of put it on a distance and go, okay, this is such a, you know, a lot of people joke that um, Barry Manilow's I Write the Songs, which he did not write, is in a lot of ways right. a very typical Barry Manilow song, even though he didn't write it. And I think the same thing for Jersey Girl, right? Even though he didn't write it, that could be a very, and I see it got a fair amount of votes. So um, what surprised you besides the volume of the results of the poll? Um, I feel like there were a few outliers that, um, that I did find surprising. I mean, for the most part, like I said, you know, those, those top 10 songs that got the vast majority of the votes, we, we'll, we could get into those later. You know, we're, I don't think there were any huge surprises up, up there. Um, right. But you go a little deeper into it. Um, the Ghost of Tom Joad, for instance, um, came in 14th out of um, the um, you know the 179. You know, so it made the top 20, the top 15. Um, you know, I think it got 80 votes, and that's not one you necessarily think of. You know, it's it's newer. It's on an album that people don't usually um, sort of pull out among his his you know his greatest albums. Um, it was it was a smaller audience for that album. Um, but, you know, and it's, and obviously the song has taken on a higher profile in recent years. Um, when he did the, the, the version with Tom Morello, he's done the concert a lot more often, but, um, that, that one surprised me that it finished that high up. Um, there were certain songs that I thought would do, would do better. Like prove it all night feels like a, you know, just a classic, you know, Springsteen, um, song, sort of, a, um, an emblematic of the darkness album. And, you know, and I think that it did well, I think it, it's in the top 20, but it's not, you know, it didn't rise to the top. I think it got 50, 50 some odd votes. Um, and then there's, you know, I thought some of those track songs that people really love and, you know, they sort of, uh, like to hold it up when they get one in concert, like Frankie, yeah. um, you know, they they didn't do well. Yeah, <laughs> they still they still I think are on the peripheral in terms of you know got these diehard right. fans that feel like yes that's that is the Springsteen song. Um, but the average fan, you know, as as much as they might like them, they're not going to pull it out as uh, the thing that that says Springsteen to them. 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting is um, I did a pivot table because that's what I do in, you know, in my job. And, um, you know, Tracks was the album that had the most by count. And you go, okay, because Tracks is so big. But then The River had 18 songs. And do you think that's because we just went through a river tour? And is that why a lot of people's songs that On the River you think made this list? I mean, that's certainly possible. It's top of mind. Yeah. You know, from the last couple of years. And and again, you know, a lot like it's, it's similar to tracks, it's the volume. You know, there are yeah. two, um, you know, two two discs worth of, or two albums worth of songs there. And they didn't, um, you know, it was the third, in terms of overall votes, it was also the third um, place album. So, you know, again, part of it is volume, but right. I think part of it is that it's fresh in our minds, and part of it is it's that there's lots of great songs on there yes. that, um, you know, that, that would have done well anyway, but I think the fact that we just saw them in concert certainly helped. I think so. Okay, so, Peter, if, you know, I, I think that I would have... Hello, thank you, uh, Charlie, wants to talk. Um <laughs> You know, I certainly, if I was going to pick the five that I thought, um, I would do Atlantic City, Rosita, Rosita, Come Out Tonight, Born to Run, Thunder Road, and then I would have picked Land of Hope and Dreams, just because I think the optimism of that song it, to the counterbalance of the, the times that he is so dark, those would be my five. That I was, if I was building a little five dicks, you know, five disc mixtape to go, this is what represents Bruce to me. Those would be the five yeah. I pick. So I, I got, you know, three of the top ten. Had you in your mind thought about what you would pick, or did you leave yourself totally open? I, I tried to leave myself open. I did think about it, although I did not vote. Um in, in the poll myself. And of course I thought about what, what I would do, but um, in preparation for our chat today, I actually said, okay, now what would I have voted in this poll that might've been different? So the ones I came up with, Thunder Road is, is always my number one. And it was obviously for many, many people right. who, um, who responded here. I think Jungle Land just for sort of its, its epic scope and um, the, the, you know, it's sort of the, the literary brilliance of it, um, you know, that's his epic, you know, mm -hmm. in my mind. Um, I pick Land of Hope and Dreams, too. I, I think it, it definitely um, fits, like you said, his sort of the optimism there and the fact that we're all in this together. Um, this train carries hates and sinners. I, 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 that's right near the top for me every time. Um, I like the... Um, you know, any number of songs on Darkness could do it for me, but I think I settled on The Promised Land because, um, again, I feel like it, it's it's about, you know, it's breaking out and, and, you know, trying to do something when when life has taken your choices away. I mean, that, you know, just the, the whole theme of it, you know, the dogs on Main Street Hall, I mean, it really that, that feels like Springsteen's entire, you know, message encapsulated in that yeah. song. And then I think you have to, and then there, you know, it's so hard not to go sort of with the personal. I think the fifth one has to be Born to Run, right? It's got to yeah. be Born to Run, because yeah. Born to Run, it's Born to Run. 
You know, and if I wanted to go for a complete out of left field choice, I'd, I'd pick none but the brave, which is just, but again, I think that's more of just a personal choice. Right. I just think it's a, a sort of a brilliant song about getting older and, and, you know, what your, your old relationships mean to you when, you know, as, as time goes by. And I just think it's, it's just such a great song and it does fit into, um, you know, what, the, the types of things he um, he tackles in his in his themes, but got to go for to run. Yeah, you just have to. You know, the other thing, and I found pretty interesting is um, your top seven by vote gets are pretty high. Um, just I guess, I guess we'll start number ten. Rosé to come out tonight got 136 votes. Um, number 11 was incident on 57th street, 126. So while it was a little bit close, it was not, you know, not like by one or two votes, the 10. And then when you throw in New York serenade 98, it's pretty clear, you know, your 10 was a pretty, you know, high, I guess, you know, vote get. Um, I think that's a really fun song. I think it's especially good song, you know, live and, and the joy. It does feel like a party. So um, I, I think that's um, the listeners did a great job on that one. Any thoughts on it as we go through the 10? Um, I, I agree. I think, you know, because you have to part of what he does is, you know, is the fun of it. You know, it's not all, uh, I lost my job at the factory and life is horrible now. And, you know, I'm just going to think about how it was better, you know, before, you know, he has that, but he also has, Hey, this is rock and roll. This is fun. This is life. This is, you know, this is what it means to feel like, like living. And that, you know, Rosalita, I mean, that just, just captures it. Um, you know, I think that's the first clip I ever saw of him live, you know, that famous clip that he released, I guess, in the late 70s um, or early 80s um, from the Darkness Tour. And it's just, you know, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, you know, I'd never see, seen anything like it. Even on my little TV, you could tell, you know, what, um, you know, what, what that must be like to, to, you know, see that in person. So, um, so yeah, I think it definitely yeah. it fits. Fits in, fits in with the rest. So um, number nine, uh, Promised Land, got 152 votes. Uh, the first um, song from Darkness. Um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I ain't a boy, I'm a man, and I believe in a promised land is just such a strong lyric. And the music is very good on this. It, it is, um, you know, it's hard to pick favorite songs off you know, albums that are so strong, but there is something about the promised land that, that I enjoy. And and it is always a, a good song to hear. So, um, and it kind of, you know, it, it raised the, you know, and, you know, I guess another level of got, you know, over 150 votes. Uh, so um, I, I was, I, and I think it is a very typical Bruce song. Yeah, I think it, it it fits the mold, and it um, you know it was a big. I, I like the fact you know that it, it takes place in Utah, not in Freehold. You know, yes. it was like it was like him branching out. You know, showing that you know everybody has these you know is face, facing these sort of these problems and these choices in their lives, no matter where you are or, or you know what what your background is, and. Um, 
I always like that, you know, he has the lyric about, you know, take a knife and cut this pain from my heart. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's very, um, you know, it's simple. It's not this complicated metaphor, but it, it really, uh, you know, he just does such a great job of, of capturing what that feeling must be like. Um, so, that, you know, that's just one of the reasons that song always stands out for me. I totally agree. Number eight was Darkness on the Edge of Town. I think... In a lot of ways, um, you know, Darkness on the Edge of Town is what a um, J. Michael Stravinsky from Babylon 5 would be a title to a, a, a Babylon 5 episode. I know that Arrow mm. Writers has actually used <laughs> yeah. uh, Darkness as uh, they've actually done um, for several seasons of Arrow, the next to last um, episode has had a featured a, a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> yeah. title, which I think is such lovely yeah, geekness. Cool. Yes, um, <laughs> he's everywhere. He is everywhere, and um, there is such a. Um, I hate to use cliche, but it is such a, you know, because you tend to think of Bruce as the "I lost my job," you know. Uh, downbound train kind of song that you know, th you know I'm I'm struggling I'm hurt uh, my girlfriend's dumped me I don't have a job you know what am I gonna do and um, so you certainly know that darkness was gonna make this thing and I'm actually a little surprised it's not higher. Yeah, I, I think there's. It's so hard to choose a song, you know, or even a, a handful of songs off of Darkness. I mean, it's such a, a great album from beginning to end. Um, it touches on so many of the same themes, and and so a lot of it becomes to which one spoke to you. But because this is the title track, I, I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, it, it, it finished a little higher than some of the others. It just sort of encapsulates yeah. the thoughts of of the album, and it's such a dark the coin of phrase, you know, ending to the album. It was not a, a light album to begin with, but it had some glimmers of hope on there. And um, then you get to this, you know, this ending track and, you know, nothing's going right for this guy. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was a daring choice, I thought, and to end, and to end the, the album with the title track. Um, and it, you know, it, it's worth noting that, you know, every single song on Darkness got a, at least a vote. <laughs> Yeah. You know, so every every song on the album they finished in the poll somewhere. Same to same with Born to Run, and Nebraska incidentally, even though Nebraska as a as a, um, as a whole didn't rise, you know, too far to the top. Yeah. Every song got at least a vote or two. Um, I think Nebraska is, you know, the cliche is the non Springsteen fans will have Nebraska in their album collection and will go, you know, yeah, I'm I'm into I'm into his darker stuff, man. You know, right. <laughs> uh, even though they will be, um, I think if you put them in the pit, they're going to be taking their hands up on Badland like everyone else. Uh, right. right. Uh, okay, Backstreets went to a different level. Number seven, Backstreets, 253 votes. So um, there's a pure gap, a pretty big gap between uh, number seven and number eight. Um you know, I, I think Backstreets from um, the web presence and, you know, all the websites and everything. 
Um, so I, I wasn't surprised it made the list. It's it's not a personal favorite of mine, though I don't have anything against it. It's just, uh, you know, it was. It, I'm glad to see it made it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think this strikes me as one of his classic, you know, friendship songs. And there's even been debate over the years about whether Terry was a man or a woman, and, right? And whether this is a friendship or a relationship. And you know, my argument was that you know it doesn't really matter, but it's about um, you know, the friendship or relationship, you know, and that has gone south for whatever reason and, and how that can really, you know, just sort of tear you apart inside. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great live song, you know, so that, that plays into people's choices too, I think. Sometimes you can't not hear that live version you saw yourself in your head when you're thinking of this song. It's, it's hard to sort of look at it in a vacuum and say, and look at the recorded version that came out in 1974. And, you know, and this is what I'm going to um, base it on. It's, you've heard a history with these songs in so many different iterations. And I think that it, it plays into it also. I totally agree, Peter. Um, so then we go to racing in the streets, 264. So a close, uh, very easily back streets and racing could have been swapped. Um, you know, Racing in the Streets is such a another epic darkness song. Um, I know that a lot of the fans that uh, is a favorite, you know, some of the people on Twitter that I see, this is a song they always want to hear live. And so there's a lot of passionate following about this one. Um, anything to add about Racing? I mean, it is a, just a classic um, I think it's that, that long coda at the end really um, elevates this, the song um, and, you know, Danny Federici and, and, you know, Roy Bitten, the way they, you know, their keyboards work together. It's, it's just, you know, <laughs> you can hear it, you know, in your head and, and you're marveled at it without even listening to it. Um, and, I, and I think that um, because it's such a sort of a, you know, it tells such a dark story and, um and rather than, you know, even try for a happy ending, so to speak, it just goes into that long wordless coda at the end that sort of wraps it up wordlessly, which I think is, is very brilliant. So, yeah, I'm not surprised to see it up there. Yeah. Um, so then we get to number five. We're halfway through the list. The River, um, 270. Once again, there's not a lot of separation between these three. Um I know my personal story of the river is I was at a show and, you know, somebody had a sign, hey, it's my 19th birthday, can you play the river? And my friend and I who were at the show together, it's like, does he know what the river's about? <laughs> I mean, just because it's your 19th birthday? I mean, hey, let's celebrate my birthday. Um, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, it's... Um, I guess all of his songs are autobiographical, but, you know, this is certainly the story of his family. And um, and I have talked to people on the show that feel very, very in touch to this song, um, that there are people that have um, unplanned pregnancies and, and have beat the odds and made their marriage happy and, and the 
the love fading away and figuring out this how do you make a new uh, a family through this new dynamic so um it is and you know i think also because he played it a lot during this last year and a half um it certainly has an emotional attachment to a lot of people so i i was not surprised that it made it that high right i think it you know the what i had said in in my little write-up of it is that the you know it, the thing that the brilliance of this song is the, you know the the situation he is thinking about is so common i mean how many people has has this happened to um like you said with with the unplanned pregnancy but even 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 without that the you know the marriage that maybe isn't what you thought it would be and the the dead end job and the, you know these are things that happen to millions of people but he makes it so relatable and and personable and and it's sort of an epic tragedy for the people it's happening to even though this happens every day all over the world to millions of people. So that's why I think this song is, is so universal. And um, we did a poll, one of, one of our last you know, really successful poll that we did was asking people for their most striking Springsteen lyric. Just, and that one, I think we, we did narrow it down to 100 or some, some crazy number that people chose from. And, you know, um, is a dream a lie if it don't come true or is it something worse finished number one? That was every, that was the people thought that was his most striking lyric. And it always struck me. I mean, it's devastating, you know, that, you know, the worst thing it can be is a lie. I, I mean, I'm sorry, the best thing it can be is a lie. Uh, but it's probably worse than that, you know. So um, they talk about sort of a, a devastating blow of a lyric. So I think that, you know, clearly that resonated with people. And that's one of the reasons the song, you know, finished so high up. Yeah. And, you know, I I think back to, um, I guess, Doonesbury had made a, had, had done a series of uh, strips way back in the dark ages where uh, Jimmy Thudpicker was talking to Dylan and, you know, the Dylan character in the comic strips is like, I was just trying to make it rhyme. And, you know, Thud Picker <laughs> looks at the audience like, who knew, right? Um, I think there's, you wonder where some of these lyrics come from because there is, uh, that is a dream alive that don't come true, you know, or is it something else, a lot, you know, the lie and this, that lyric, there, there are, books that could be written about that discussion you know and and it is there's so much you know and i've been lucky enough to be married for 30 years and 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 i know how much um effort and work and ups and downs there is in a marriage and so very just so much more as you said not just the pregnancy but just the working in a job and trying to find your joy and and what you do it is is pretty amazing all right so then we get to badlands the happy sad song that <laughs> that um makes 311 votes so it brings us to a different level um you know you wonder if that is an I'm going to just say I think a lot of this is the live anthem part of it and just yeah. the, uh, you know, there is something about when he comes out on stage and they start that guitar riff and um, 
and then speaking of lyrics, right? Poor men want to be rich. Rich men want to be king. King not happy to he, you know, has everything. As I misquoted. Yeah. Welcome to America. <laughs> yeah, it it is, and and it is. Um, I think about that every time I read about a um a an athlete and going through a contract negotiation, and uh, you know, in the discussions of people and and where it's just so funny, you know, um, and so, yeah, and, and it is a, sh it is a song that I don't get tired of hearing live. Um, one of my best friends does, he's like, God, I could, I could, if I, if I could promise he would not play Badlands, you know, I would take <laughs> any other song and I'm like, no, I love Badlands. So, um, made the top four. Yeah. And again, it's, it just says it's, it's so much about what he's, stands for and you know it ain't no sin to be glad you're alive you know that's such a a classic line um and and it speaks to you know um that that hope that is there even in his most of his darkest work that um there is there is some hope for escape and and that's in you know that that's apparent in this song i think yeah so then we get to the top three jungle land 421 um I am not surprised it made third. Um, Jungle Land is a song that is beloved by uh, a lot of fans. One of the... F I do not have a emotional connection to Jungle Land. I think intellectually I understand that it's this epic, you know, story, but um, it is not one of my favorites, though... I get why people think it is and why they love yeah. it so much. Yeah. I mean, it is, you know, for me, again, I just remember sort of the, the way I um, got into Bruce is I, you know, and, and people don't like to admit they came in during the Born in the USA stage of his career, but that's what I did. I was, you know, a young a young lad of 14 or 15 when that album came out, so I was not well-versed in, um, uh, you know, a lot of the music that had already been out there. Um, so, you know, so this was new to me. You know, I heard Dancing in the Dark, and, you know, when I got, ran out and got that album, and I was like, oh, I got to figure out what this guy's all about. So, of course, I went and bought Born to Run because that was the Springsteen album that everybody talked about. And I remember just sitting and listening to the, the whole thing straight through. And, of course, it ends with, with Jungle Land. And I, at, you know, 14 or however old I was at the time, I'd never heard anything like it. Um, and it just struck me as, you know, so daring and so, you know, I, didn't, I don't think I realized this at the time, but what I've come to realize is, again, it, it's so literary in the way it, it tells this story um, with imagery and metaphor and, you know, and the barefoot girl sitting on the hood of a dodge, these, you know, these, these images that just evoke such clear pictures in your mind. But I think that's why it has, has um, stuck with me all these years. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of people feel, feel the same way. And then, of course, the saxophone solo, um, you know, and I think uh, particularly since his passing, you know, people are, are, you know, you know, Clarence is such a beloved figure and, and even even more so sort of since he's gone that we still have that solo to, to hold on to um, from him. So that elevates it, I think, too, in, in people's memories and, and in their in their minds. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a uh, not a, not a, a big surprise to, to see it near the top. Yes. Um, and I do think that um, it was. 
a beloved song and now then as you said with Clarence gone it it it's almost another level um also because it he does not play it live as much i mean you know it is almost like it's a sacred uh we're not going to bring this out and play with it it's the good china you know we're only going right. to bring this out in special <laughs> right. occasions um so that um you know Jake and them can do it so it's a uh, pretty amazing um so two and one born to run thunder road uh fairly <laughs> close uh numerical 656 for born to run thunder road 674 um well it's interesting yeah i was you know i was following you know we had the poll open for you know about a week and a half i think and so i was following the results and it, and it was these two neck and neck from from you know, moment one. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and I kept checking back. Ooh, who's in the lead? At Thunder Road pretty much stayed ahead the whole time, but not by much. It was very, very close the whole time. And you know, um, I've shared with you that um, I'm, I'm hoping in the next um, month or so, this whole um, hospital stay has kind of delayed things. But I want to do a series of um, cage matches. Um, because the guys on Bruce Springsteen Seems the Alphabet said it was a waste that with the name Jesse Jackson, I did not use Jackson Cage somehow <laughs> in my mm. name of my podcast. Um, so I want to do a cage mask and like where you would discuss, you know, um, you know, Thunder Road or Born to Run. Only one can win. You know, let's of the two, which one would if you could only have one, what would it be? A true cage match. And we're gonna have some others that are, you know, beloved songs that you wouldn't want to you you wouldn't want to pick out. You know, you wouldn't want to, like maybe Tenth Avenue and Rosita or something. So, um it is really hard to choose between these two. Um and I can remember of all things on a sports station, there was a Babe Laufenberg, who is a backup cowboy quarterback and then became a um, broadcaster here, a local news anchor, uh, talking to a columnist for the Dallas Morning News. And they spent 10 minutes discussing that Thunder Road's the greatest rock and roll song of all time. And 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 he went, No, Born to Run is the greatest rock and roll song of all time. And and you know, and uh for non Bruce fans, I'm sure they were like, Shut up already. But for us it was a fascinating discussion. Um I personally think Thunder Road is is more emotional and and a little more um very Bruceish, but if it had been flipped, I wouldn't have argued. Right. I, I tend to feel the same way. I mean, like I said, Thunder Road, uh, maybe because when I when I went back to listen to Born to Run for the first time, that was the first song I heard. Maybe that had something to do with it. And, um, you know, just the, the way that, um, you know, he, he plays with the tempo over the course of the song and um, the way it builds and, you know, that you know that ending in Town Full of Losers, I'm pulling out here to win and Clarence is sacked. Person. I mean, it's really, um, it's really just something. And there's a reason both of these songs, I think, they do not sound like 40-year-old songs, even today, even though they've been played so much. Um, they, there's something about them that's crisp and fresh and doesn't feel like classic rock, you know. It's, yeah. You know, this is, you know, there's something, you know, the, 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 the whether it's the energy or um, just the way the songs are constructed. Um, and I think, you know, uh, if anything, Born to Run 
you know, hasn't, you know, by by a very very slim mar- margin, hasn't aged as well. I think just because of it's played so much. I think it, you know, if there's a sort of an overplay factor, that that might be the the thing that you know pushes Born to Run down that you know uh, very very slim margin there. Um, but it's obviously it's an amazing song. Um, you know, he wanted to um, you know come up with the greatest rock and roll record he'd ever heard, and um, I think he did it. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, it, it's just a, you know, a, a ball of energy. Um, and it, and it, and it captures so much of, of, you know, of who he is and, and, um, you know, what he wanted to do. Um, but I think Thunder Road has, a, a, you know, a, what Born to Run doesn't have is, is sort of the melancholy that's part of his, um, you know, his, his overarching themes. Um, and, and Thunder Road really does have that, particularly in the, in the beginning, um, you know, it, it's plaintive almost when the harmonica comes in, and um, and I think that for me is what pushes it into that top slot. Now, what I find a little interesting, and this will be a flashback to, um, you know, your discussion of uh, Bruce's best album. Um, very interesting. The top ten you had for Darkness. And four born to run, yeah. uh, you know. You yeah. know uh, and so um, the uh, now born to run did a little better for the top three, but um, darkness still, you know, was up there, um, you know, carrying its own. So um, it is, um, and I think you know it's it's hard to debate that, you know. A pretty good one-two punch for a young guy from Jersey putting out a couple albums, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, you know what a run. It's really yeah. you know un- unbelievable to to look at. And he had obviously a lot of time to ruminate on darkness because he couldn't record um, during that lawsuit period after after Born to Run. Yeah, and he had a very specific idea about what he wanted to do and um you know as we know now from um you know the promise release um that the the album that would have been released in between those two had he been able to would have been very different you know i think much uh, you know yeah soulful and 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 much lighter so it's interesting sort of where history um came down on on what he did with those with those two albums but yeah. it, it you know so if you look at it like you're saying about the votes you know like i i mentioned you know both albums every single track on both albums got a vote <laughs> at least from somebody um board to run actually though got uh, more than twice the number of total votes that darkness um got 2100 versus darkness's 1007 um and it had two fewer tracks to do it on so um, I, I think what that probably says is even, you know, and, and I think to this day when people talk about the Springsteen sound, they're thinking of that Born to Run sound with the piano and the saxophone and, you know, the, and, and the irony being he, he sort of left a lot of that behind immediately and never went back to it. Yeah. You know, darkness doesn't sound like born to run. And, you know, I mean, the river has every, there's elements of it all the way through, but not, you know, to that uh, sustained level that, that he had on born to run. But from the results here, it's reasonable to say, well, but that's what, you know, when people think of Springsteen, that's what they think of this, this, uh, you know, 40 plus year old album, you know, sort of really 
stands out. But, you know, I, I think, you know, as I talked about in my book, Glory Days, uh, Springsteen's Greatest Albums, available at Amazon for only two ninety nine. end of plug, um, Darkness pushes its way to the top for me. I, um, you know, and, and again, it's one of these things that it can change every day, <laughs> depending on sure. which album I listen to more recently. But I, I think the um, the maturity of darkness, of of sort of um, tackling the idea of, you know, escape isn't always an option. And then what do you do when when once you hit that wall? Um, whereas Border Run is more like you know we're we're pulling out of here to win. You know, eat my dust kind yeah. of kind of kind of thought to it. Um, you know, and in the end, the one-two punch of them, you know, take them, you know, if you can't pick one, take them both. Because I think that, you know, you t- if you take both of those albums, it, it really captures the whole thing. I think so. And, you know, there is, um, as we, it is not a competition. You know, we get both. Um, it's always a fun discussion to kind of have what's, you know, going on and what's doing it. But luckily, um, we do get... You know, we get both, and, and we get to see. Um, so, Peter, thank you. This was a blast. It it was absolutely – it's always a joy talking, Bruce, with you. What do you got coming up on the blog now that you've um, kind of taken this massive undertaking in? What are you, what are you thinking about next? Um, well, we do have some ideas um, to continue sort of the, the reader engagement um, uh, idea given that we, it may be a while before we see any big news, although you never know with him, could be, could yeah. be coming tomorrow. <laughs> yes. But um, we're, I think, um, you know, we're looking at possibly, you know, trying to collect people's Springsteen stories, whether they were, you know, personal meetings with, with him or um, just things that, um, you know, it, that either a concert or, or a record has meant to them. Um, and we're just going to try to, you know, keep up with the news. There's, there's supposedly, you know, this, this, "Quote unquote solo album." I think they've been talking about it for five years now. It's been in the can since before um, um, before Wrecking Ball, I think. Um, and John Landau mentioned it as recently as last year in a Rolling Stone um, article. Although I, I think Bruce may have indicated since then that now, uh, in, you know, in Trump's America, he, he's feeling a need to move on to other things. So who knows? This may be, you know, it may be a an archive release in 20 years that we're never going to see today. Uh, but we'll be keeping up on the news on that or, or, or whatever else comes along the pike. Um, you know, we're constantly trolling around trying to figure out what's next and getting the latest information and getting it up as soon as we can just to keep everybody informed. And uh, in the meantime, we'll just we'll just roll with it like everybody else. Well, that sounds good. Yes, it is. Like I said, um, I, I spent a few weeks in the hospital, and so I did not get to check. And uh, But you are a um, blog I go through on a daily basis just to check and see what's going. It's always fun. And what's new with Pet Peeves? Uh, that is a – we are still working on our – that's our comic strip uh, that I do with a very talented artist named Dave London um, about a sort of pop culture um, obsessed dad and his family's adventures. And in fact, we recently, Bruce does uh, put in an appearance every so often. Um, we recently collected um, for a post on the on blogness um, all of the pet peeve strips that mentioned Bruce and other other um, 
music acts and uh, references to music. Uh, it's definitely a theme that that runs through the strip. So we're uh, we're still that's about a year old, and um, we're uh, farming that out to various people. And you might you might see more of that um, coming up. We'll see where that goes. Well, I am sign me up for the first um, Kickstarter backer on a collection. Uh, I love them, and and I will tell you there there is just so much joy. Um, you know, when whether it's talking about fitted sheets and folding them, <laughs> uh, which was a really good one, or the um, uh, the you know whole no adult should be holding a sign, and then they kind of look unless it's for a Bruce Springsteen show. It's kind of <laughs> there is right. Uh, so basically, when you know, I I guess the the, the Bruce Springsteen theme strips are are aimed direct at the diehard fans. I make no bones about it. Um, and, you know, if they get a kick out of it, I've done my job. <laughs> well, um, like I say, um, I, I, I love that it is a little bit um, zits. It's a little bit, um, you know, just wonderful, you know, family interaction. And uh, I, I just love the book, the strip. So I'm very excited for you and happy. Um, so... Peter, if someone wants to reach you and if they want to share their Springsteen story first, they should reach out to me because I want them to have them on the podcast. But yes, for the <laughs> blogness as well, tell them how can they reach you. Um, your best bet is to just head over to the blog, um, you know, Google blogness on the edge of town and it'll come right up um, and um, you'll see our, uh, our contact information and our, our email. And, you know, you could always go to Facebook. Um, search for the blogness page on Facebook and leave a comment or send a message there. Um, and um, every time we have a new post, we share it there. So following us on Facebook is your, uh, probably your best way to go. That sounds great. Um, you can reach me at Jesse Jackson DFW and at Setlisting Bruce on Twitter. Uh, we do have a Facebook page as well. And please, if you get a chance, go to iTunes or whatever your podcast player choice and leave a rating and review. It is how people find us. Um, Peter, this was a blast. Thank you. This was my first uh springsteen podcast since i'd been out of the hospital and i cannot think of a better guest or a better topic to talk so thank you sir well that's great thank you so much for having me on all right and i'm sure uh when news breaks uh i'll have you on again excellent thank you peter all right talk to you later and thank you listeners It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.